Hey, Dunker Punks, why is everyone so up in arms about straws these days? And why should we be? Stay tuned to find out. podcast. My name is Jacob Krause. I'm your host today. We talk a lot about countercultural lifestyles on this podcast. Dunker punks throughout history have made it a point that Christianity is a way of life and their beliefs should guide their daily actions. We still try to live out our beliefs and our thoughts, words, and emotions, but in 2018, that can look different than in 1818. Uh, today, Jonathan Stoffer talks with Katie Heishman about a change that she made in her lifestyle to better implement the Christian concepts of reconciliation and care for creation and self. As we listen to today's interview, I'd invite you to think about a couple things. The first is, how do you impact the world around you? And I mean this in kind of like a practical and physical sense. What are your, the smallest of daily actions? How does that impact? And the other is about the power of reflection. How do you self-analyze at the end of the day? How can you be accountable to yourself and your beliefs? So with those thoughts in mind, let's listen to Jonathan and Katie. Katie Heishman is a recent graduate of Bethany Theological Seminary and has served on staff at Brethren Woods Camp and Retreat Center as program director with her husband, Tim. This fall, they will begin pastoral ministry at the Prince of Peace Church of the Brethren in Kettering, Ohio. We now turn to the interview I have with Katie. Hello, Katie. 
Katie. Glad to have you join us on the Dr. Punks podcast. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks so much for having me. So could you describe how your faith journey towards a zero-waste lifestyle developed? Is it the same as simple living, or are there other principles that people need to consider? So I have always been interested in how we can live out this brethren ethic of simple living. And I have had a lot of mentors along the way whom I have observed live this out in different ways, Um, you know, everything from composting to washing Ziploc bags to reuse to thrift shopping um, to questioning the ethics of our electronics. You know, it's a value that we as brethren live out in so many different ways. Um, Brethren folks like David Radcliffe of New Community Project um, was was one of the incredibly influential people in helping me further develop this idea of simple living and this ethic. Um, In college and through BBS, I began to become more aware of plastic pollution Mm -hmm. and the vast amounts of waste that we create. So the average American creates four pounds of trash a day, and I wasn't really finding brethren or Christian folks who were speaking to this and how to respond Mm -hmm. to it in tangible ways. Kind of just in my general search, I had stumbled upon this woman named Bea Johnson, and she was talking about something called a zero-waste lifestyle. So she's a mom, like a mom of a family of four, and each year they make one quart-sized jar of landfill-destined trash a year. One quart-sized jar. Yeah, just one quart-sized jar um, for a family of four. Uh, So I was completely blown away by this, uh, you know, so that's crazy yeah. compared to four pounds of trash a day for the average American. You know, some make more, some make less. But so she kept a blog and had a book written called Zero Waste Home. And so these help you kind of track different areas of your life and find ways to limit the amount of trash that you create. So I knew that this Christian this brethren ethic of simple living and this zero waste lifestyle that I had kind of learned about could really speak to one another. And so while in seminary, I decided to merge the two and took on what I called a zero waste Lent. So during Lent, uh, I was practicing the principles that Bea Johnson had modeled. So she takes the three environmental R's um, that we all know, reduce, reuse, recycle. (laughs) Yeah. I've heard of those. Yeah, by killing right, the ice yeah. on the side of those of the bins. Yeah, the exactly. Yeah. Yep. yeah, so the famous, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle. So she takes those three, and then she adds two more. So refuse and rot. So if you can imagine an inverted pyramid, um, kind of like a V, at the top and the wider part is refuse, and then it goes down to reduce, reuse, recycle, and at the very bottom and the smallest, rot. And so those are kind of the guiding principles of a zero-waste lifestyle. So with the idea that first we need to refuse certain kinds of waste, uh, for example, like plastic straws at restaurants, or, um, yeah, so refusing things from coming into our lives or finding alternatives or ways to um, avoid that waste. Got it. Um, Yeah, like so so like saying no to something up front, I'm not going to use this because I know it's, has effects down the line. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And then reduce um, allows us to analyze what is most critical for us to sustain ourselves and or what, you know, what are the areas of excess that we can re- eliminate. Um, so reducing is about 
realizing and knowing, like, what do I really need to live, you know, a happy, sustainable life? And then reuse would be about finding sustainable alternatives to the things that we throw away. So this might be having a glass or metal coffee cup that we take to a coffee shop with us or maybe bringing a Tupperware container um, to avoid a styrofoam one when we maybe have leftovers at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And so reuse is about finding um, things that we can use over and over and over again and get a lot, a lot of um, good life out of them before they might reach the end of their life. So finding Got sustainable it. alternatives. And then recycle uh, is toward the bottom of the inverted pyramid. So if we think about the stuff at the top is like the actions that we do maybe most often and then those at the bottom is ones that we would want to do less, recycle is down towards the bottom. And as I was going through this journey, this was really striking to me because I feel like, you know, of the three R's, that's probably the one that gets glorified the most, you know, uplifted the most. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, how much we say we should recycle. And, like, on the side of the Coke or Pepsi cans, it's like, please recycle Mm -hmm. responsibly. They don't Mm -hmm. talk about, please reduce your use of the cans responsibly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. And so what I learned through – from Bia Johnson was that, you know, plastic recycling is down at the bottom because it's not, it's not ideal. You know, the zero waste lifestyle is not about recycling more. It's about recycling less. Mm. Uh, and plastic especially is one of those that we want to refuse more often um, as much as we can because plastic um, is downgraded into a lesser plastic when it gets recycled. Like those, that plastic Coke bottle that you were talking about does not become another plastic Coke bottle. It gets downcycled into something like sometimes like a fleece jacket um, or and then maybe it becomes like the plastic backing underneath your carpet. And then, you know, where does the carpet usually end up? Well, probably yeah. a landfill, you know, when it gets taken out. And so... So plastic is not a closed-loop system. So it'll it eventually, you know, that plastic Coke bottle, even if it does get recycled, which, not, which we don't recycle enough, but even if it did get recycled, it's destined for the landfill eventually. But glass and paper are able to be recycled at a much more closed-loop rate. So, like, um, glass bottles can become glass bottles again, and paper in a similar, in a similar way. So if we have to get something that's in paper or glass, you know, those are able to be recycled more easily or in a better way. That's great. And, and I, I believe it's that shift in thinking, uh, first with what Bia Johnson had said with the three R's to expanding it to the five R's, as well as the, the life cycle understanding of our products, so plastic versus glass, um, I think that change in thinking has to, is crucial if you want to change the, the waste habits, it sounds like. Yeah, it's really a reframing of kind of what we were brought up with and realizing which yeah. ones are most important. Yeah. And, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I think that's been exactly. yeah, a helpful thing for me as I've been on this journey is realizing that, there are many other ways of doing things than the systems that are already in place. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so back to the five R's. So the final R is rot. And so that's at the very, very bottom, and it's the smallest, uh, smallest little part of the inverted pyramid. And it's essentially, you know, what will happen to landfill waste that we end up, that we do create 
you know, she still has that uh, jar at the end of the year. I mean, that's much smaller than the average person, but we still, you know, live in this place where we will make a little bit of trash, some kinds of trash. So that is what happens to landfill waste, but also what's, what happens to, you know, our natural food waste if we compost it. Uh, a lot of natural food waste ends up in landfills where it doesn't decompose, it doesn't return nutrients back to the soil, and so it, rot will also represent, you know, things that go in our compost bin, which is great. When I practiced this during Lent, I ended up also reflecting upon the Lenten themes of confession, repentance, redemption, and resurrection. And so we have so much to confess in our journey of limiting waste, you know, ways that we have been complicit, ways that we have benefited from oppressive, oppressive systems. Uh, repentance is a chance to turn away from these trappy, trashy habits. And I was also finding that, you know, redemption and resurrection are found in the movements of a zero-waste lifestyle. You know, reusing is about resurrection every day. Uh, it's about oh, wow. it's believing that something is worth it. The materials, the time, the energy, the human labor that went into making this thing that I am using are worth it. They're worth being reused and not trash. So I, so you're asking if I think that they are the same thing, and I, I would definitely say that zero waste lifestyle is the same as simple living. It's definitely a way to live out this ethic of simple living. Um, but I also would say that there are people who, you know, might pursue a, a zero-waste lifestyle in ways that aren't always simple. Uh, but for me, it has definitely been an extension of simple living. Next question, Katie. What challenges have you found in reducing your waste, whether that's personally or pushback from other people, such as uh, businesses or from Christians? Okay. So we live in a broken world with imperfect systems, first of all. <laughs> So when I began this journey, it was really mind-boggling to see how we are surrounded by plastic and how our world is fueled by um, what many people call a cult this culture of disposability. You know, so many things are created just to be thrown away, you know, whether it's paper plates and cutlery or to-go cups from coffee shops. You know, they're created to live a very short life and then be thrown away. And that's, you know, everywhere you turn. It's so... I'd say one of the biggest challenges is just, you know, not feeling overwhelmed by it all um, yeah. and, and trying to just do, you know, little things at a time. And so in the midst of trying to do little things at a time that you'll get, you know, apart from just being surrounded by, you know, a lot of negative, op negative options, something that can be a challenge is when – Maybe you do, you have gotten to a place of where you're taking, you know, a reusable coffee cup somewhere um, or some reusable water bottle or something like that, and a place doesn't, you know, accept it or want to use it. I'd say that's very rare, uh, but there have been some places, um, I'm going to call out Panera here. <laughs> I think I had ordered, like, a drink behind the counter and asked them to put it in the container, and they wouldn't do it for me. Most places, you know, have drink fountains or things like that, and that's not a big deal at all. You know, that's really sure. easy to bring your own water bottle or container to. Um, and I understand, like, there's sanitary things to think about. But so that sometimes you can get pushback or weird looks, you know. You might get weird looks that people want, you know, what, you want me to put this in a container or 
often the one is, you know, oh, you don't need a plastic bag, like for that one item that you're carrying. Are you sure you don't want a plastic bag? Mm, um, yeah. Yeah, like we were getting food at Chipotle one time, and they were trying to like, oh, are you sure you don't need a to-go bag? Do you need this or this? Like, are you sure? Are you sure? And we're like, yeah, I'm, we're really okay. Like, we're just going to carry it to our car. You know, we don't need uh, unnecessary things. So, So those have been some of the challenges, I think, just – I think it's a very odd thing to go against a well-oiled system that thinks it's working perfectly, you know? Yeah, it definitely with, like, the, and especially if the workers are just to follow directions, like, oh, you give them mm-hmm. the bag and do this. But maybe there's something to say about witnessing to that, mm-hmm. that like, putting the countercultural perspective out there like no I don't need that bag I'm just going to the car like you said gets people to stop and think like well okay how do I handle that maybe one but Mm -hmm. also what does that mean for choices I make yeah that's a really good point that it has been a really great opportunity that's I'd say on the flip side of that like you're talking about witnessing and when you do an action like that that is kind of against the grain of what's expected you have a chance to, you know, explain why. And like you're talking about witnessing, and so you can kind of give some more information about, you know, why you're making those choices and why you're doing something, you know, out of the ordinary. And I think that's exactly what Jesus had done when he was going about doing the ministry of, Mm -hmm. you know, proclaiming the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's great with those sort of those creative and, um, countercultural actions that you take day to day. I'd say one of the, you know, like I was talking about, one of the big challenges is going into places and you just are surrounded by plastic or disposable options. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, like a grocery store, for example, you know, I've started to find that kind of on the perimeter, like the edges, are more unpackaged options. So like, you know, on one far side, you might have your produce section. And a lot of grocery stores that I've been to have been good about having unpackaged produce options. So things that aren't in plastic bags or uh, plastic containers. And so that has been one way to kind of uh, avoid some of this plastic waste. But you have to get, uh, you know, creative about it. Yeah. um, Yeah, I I never thought about that. The outside mm-hmm. perimeter, that's a neat observation. The outside perimeter does not have as much packaged items. And so, so when my husband and I go grocery shopping, we really just kind of do, you know, one sec, like one very far end, and then we might do like the other far end because okay. everything in the middle is, is heavily packaged, uh, which also means, which has also been a benefit, is that we're eating more healthily because we're getting, you know, unpackaged um, produce, which means we're eating a lot more you know, vegetables and packaged food, which has been an, an upside of that. Neat. Yeah. And so just talking about how, you know, plastic is plastic and waste are pervasive, you know, when I started this Zero Waste Lenten journey, I was learning, you know, what are habits that I can do better or what are habits that I can do in a more sustainable way. And so, you know, when we go out to eat or things like that, I it took one meal of bringing my food home in a styrofoam container for me to realize, like, oh, my gosh, I need to have a sustainable option for this. And so my husband and I will always take a to-go container with us. We have, you know, them in our car just in case we have leftovers or things like that. And so 
you know, finding creative solutions um, that the system might not give you but that you can bring to the system. And so what about from other Christians, like as they see you not carrying stuff in plastic bags or mm -hmm. having different containers that you use for leftovers? Have you gotten pushback from other mm -hmm. people at your church or other Christian groups? Yeah. yeah. I... I haven't gotten a lot of pushback. Most brethren that I've, I've met are very open to what I'm trying to do. And they, and a lot of it is like, oh, I never thought of doing that before. Like, that would be really neat to do, or that's a really neat idea, you know, uh, whether it's like taking a to-go container or, or things like that. At church at Potlucks, my um, husband Tim and I will always bring our own plate and silverware just in case. Uh, they are using paper that day or they're using, like, plastic cutlery or things like that. And our church is pretty good, but, you know, sometimes whoever is on, you know, the kitchen commission might choose to use paper or something that day. And so, so that, and that, like you were talking about, that's another way of witnessing, and it kind of brings up a conversation of, you know, oh, why are, you know, why are you doing that? We haven't gotten a lot of, like, pushback or angriness, but just asking more questions. And, you know, I think some have wondered, as I've been on this journey, you know, well, how does this trying to live a zero-waste lifestyle and your faith in Jesus, you know, how are those even connected? Um, you know, some Christians are so extreme as to think that God is going to, you know, burn up the world at the end and, you know, what is even the point? Which, you know, people don't give that argument for service or other things like that. So I think it's interesting when we're talking about environmental caring for the earth or, you know, right. finding ways to do that, that people aren't, you know, like, oh, well, God's going to burn up the world, so I'm not going to go out and serve my neighbor. But I really think that Jesus calls us to love our neighbors, which I see simple living interacting directly with that call from Jesus. And so I see them as very much informing one another. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Why don't people question their service? If they, mm. Maybe they might see it more as, well, we're sharing Jesus mm. with these acts of service, and so maybe that in some way gives them salvation. But I would also think that salvation, like you said, comes through caring for neighbor and maybe caring for this earth that God created. Yeah. You know, that whole that gift of creation, I think, is something that the church sometimes forgets about. So, Katie, could you say more about the significance of reducing waste and connecting deeper with your faith in Christ? Yeah, so kind of like I was mentioning, I, my faith in Jesus called me to pay attention to my neighbor, to love my neighbor, to, pro, you know, provide for my neighbor, for, to provide for the least of these. Uh, Jesus calls us to love our enemies even, so those that are not maybe even neighborly to us, we are called to, to care for, to reconcile with. So one of my mentors in Elgin had asked me how my zero-waste Lent had anything to do with deepening my faith. Uh, and when I started that journey, I didn't really have an answer at the time um, other than feeling that the spirit was leading me to do this, to, to try this. But what I found uh, is that we as a society are extremely disconnected from the things that we use. And in turn, that can distance us from one another and our neighbors, you know, so like washing dishes can seem like a chore. So instead of, you know, using reusable plates, uh, or dishware, we might, you know, use paper or styrofoam. But the act of washing dishes, like, together in a church kitchen, kitchen can create community, you know, when we do it with our neighbors. Refusing a straw can seem really insignificant, but it's, you know, one less piece 
of unnecessary trash out in the world. It's one less piece of trash clogging waterways, you know, decaying, not even really decaying, but living forever in a landfill or, you know, getting stuck up a turtle's nose. And so, mm. you know, this journey for me has not just been about reducing trash, which I think is really important, but it has also been about trying to work against this culture of disposability at all levels. And so I think this disposability mentality extends to how we as individuals interact with one another and how systems have been designed against the poor and against people of color. So we have areas in the U.S. that we would think of maybe as throwaway areas. Um, so sometimes those are where, you know, trash mountains live in our neighbor's backyard, which are like mega landfills, really, really tall landfills, or, you know, low-income um, socioeconomic areas might be in a society thought of as like a rough area or kind of a throwaway area. We have the prison industrial complex, which consumes millions of people that society might deem as trashed or irredeemable, you know, but I don't think that Jesus gives up on people. And I think that our calling is not to give up on people either. Amen. And so, yeah, so Jesus never lets someone pass sins get in their way of turning and following him, you know, whether it's adultery, thievery, uh, their righteousness, uh, you know, Jesus can redeem all of that. And what I found from wading into a zero-waste lifestyle was that, you know, this culture of disposability was not just about trash. It's not just about the material things that are going through our hands, you know, quickly and throwing away. It's, it extends to all areas, I think, of our cultural psyche. So this has been really powerful to me, learning um, and being invited into Jesus' resurrection power and Jesus' redeeming power in a more deeper way. You know, when I want to throw something away, the Spirit is asking me, you know, could you have avoided that? Could you reuse that? Could you recycle it? Uh, and the same for relationships and people. You know, are there relationships that I have, you know, metaphorically thrown away? Are there people whose society is calling me to give up on? You know, those connections have been really powerful for me. I think that insight is profound. You're getting to like a parable of disposability um, whereas Jesus was more about seeing the value in everything and redeeming, yeah. redeeming that value in some way, I definitely agree that there's a lot to be said for our everyday actions so that we don't just dispose of things and then that translates to disposing people, mm. but that we really take account of what we're using and how we're relating to things so that when we relate to people, we're also have that deeper value structure in mind. So mm. thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Well, and so often where our trash ends up and who it impacts are the least of these. You know, it might be minority communities of color where, like I mentioned, where um, trash mountains are formed or, you know, countries around the world who are receiving our, you know, a lot of our trash and recycling are are exported around the world to other places, either to be yeah. um, processed or things like that. So it's these huge amounts of trash are ending up in communities and our neighbors' backyards around the world, and they are suffering for it. I mean, in terms of the way it impacts our waterways, the chemical processing, things like that. So they're, our neighbors are, are really impacted by the way that we choose to live with the earth. So what else could 
our listeners, the Dunker Punks, do to mm-hmm. reduce their waste streams in their locality? Is there a good place to start, or, or is it sort of do everything at once? Yeah. <laughs> well, I would say definitely don't do everything at once. So, yeah, I w- my first thing would be to start small. Uh, when I was starting my zero-waste uh, Lent journey, I kind of formed something for myself that I called a trash examine. Uh, so a traditional examine is a Christian spiritual practice where you are reviewing your day and you are, you know, becoming aware of God's presence throughout the day. You're reminiscing upon your, you know, your highs and lows for the day. What were those high points and those low points or moments where you felt closest to God? And so I kind of took the idea of an examine and made a trash examine and where I would you know, at the end of the day, kind of review where had I um, touched things that, you know, I threw away that, you know, I used for 20 minutes and then threw away. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did I buy something? Did somebody give me something that became trash? You know, where will the things that I'm using today end up? You know, do they, will they be reused tomorrow? Will they be recycled. So it, you know, allowed me to reflect upon my day in the different places that I was intersecting with uh, trash or plastic or things like that. And that really helped me see where areas where I could continue to improve, you know, for the next day or areas that I could do better. On my zero waste lint, I was taking a critical look at where I was complicit to trash in my life. And I didn't you know, it wasn't like, okay, the first day of Lent, Ash Wednesday, you know, boom, I'm going to not make any trash at all for 40 days. Uh, that was my goal, was to make as little as possible, but I was still finishing up, you know, those systems that I already had been a part of or in place. You know, I had, you know, maybe shampoo that came in a plastic bottle. And, well, I'm not going to just throw that away and try to find a reusable alternative. You know, I'm going to reuse it until it's done, and then I will not let it back into my life. You know, I'll refuse that plastic shampoo bottle and find a reusable alternative, something that's better. And so that kind of allowed me to take little bits and pieces of my life at a time. You know, maybe when you come to the end of the life of your toothbrush, whether it's uh, a plastic toothbrush or an electric toothbrush, you know, maybe when you come to the end of its life, instead of saying, oh, I'm just going to replace this with another plastic toothbrush, you can say, hey, I wonder if there's a reusable alternative to to a plastic toothbrush or a more sustainable option where, you know, who recycles a plastic toothbrush? Like those most often, you know, end up in the landfill. So it helped me take like little pieces of my life bit by bit. And that's what I would encourage other people to do is take little pieces of your life bit by bit and look for ways that you could choose, you know, a more sustainable alternative. There, This has become such a mainstream thing, at least for me, it feels like it's become a much more mainstream thing. And there are so many you know, options and things like that out out there if you just do, you know, a little bit of research or find, you know, one person who is trying to live this way and just look at some of the ways that they're doing it. You know, there's so many there's so many resources out there to try to, to limit your trash. If only one takes the time to think about it and look, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It might seem simple that too, but like you're saying, it's a systematic issue. It's it's not just mm-hmm. one person making a decision or doing this. It's there's a whole 
it's a whole complex web of interactions. But I also like how you're saying start small, be intentional, and reflect on your choices that you're making, and then, you know, do research. Maybe you find other people that are thinking these same questions, and then if there's products that they know about that they've used, they can recommend, mm -hmm. or that they sell, or that maybe you, you know, maybe one of our listeners here gets creative and says, hey, I could make this as a more yeah. reasonable option. I think that's a key piece with this whole systematic problem that we're grappling with, waste. So thanks for, for sharing that. So in addition to starting small, I would also really encourage uh, Dunker Punk listeners to really try to avoid those single-use plastics, you know, those things that come into our lives for, you know, 20 to 30 minutes at a time and then are gone forever into a landfill. And so, yeah, I would really encourage folks to look at ways to avoid, you know, whether it's styrofoam plates or paper plates or, you know, plastic straws. You know, if you don't need a plastic straw to drink your, you know, your water or drink at a restaurant, you can develop a habit of saying, no straw, please, you know, when you order your drink. And that way you are taking one more extra step to avoid unnecessary plastic waste. And that's such a pervasive thing. And so I would encourage folks to to look at some ways to maybe get rid of single-use plastics. Maybe that could be a Lenten practice for some folks. Yeah, something for me to certainly think about. Yeah, and I would say, too, that you might have to pay a little more for some of these items. Mm. But if you think about it as an investment long-term, they'll usually last longer than, like I know with the metal straws, that they'll last longer. And so you may pay a couple bucks more, but you may have it for, like, years possibly as long yeah. as you clean it out yeah like hundreds probably thousands of uses from you know that one thing and i would say i would say yeah some of those things can be an investment up front but i also encourage folks to look for i mean go thrifting you know there could be reusable containers or plates or cutlery or different things like that that folks could reuse at that could they could find at thrift stores and so that would be another part of that reuse ethic as well. And Katie, what, what should we do if somebody disagrees or maybe has yeah. an issue with what we're doing or at least is kind of skeptical about what we're doing? Yeah. Well, I really like the word that you, you know, early on about witnessing. And I think taking, you know, any pushback that we get or any weird looks as a chance to witness and I think to share about, why I brought my own metal straw to a restaurant or, you know, why I have a takeout container with me instead of, you know, using the, the styrofoam one that the restaurant is providing. I think you probably will get some weird looks, but I would say be yourself, you know, be the authentic person that Jesus has called you to be and just be kind and humble and generous with people because, you know, we're all at different places on this journey and, we're not going to get anywhere by shaming one another, but we can certainly, you know, make strides together by being kind, by uh, educating those around us and helping other folks to understand how um, this is a way to, to care for creation, to care for our neighbor, uh, and to care for one another. Yeah, that's an important point that I think you raised, Katie, is that we need to, to give grace to other people mm. because we are in different steps of the journey. I guess to summarize, I'd say that a lot of this practice 
of, of working towards zero waste is, is giving time for reflection, being intentional with your choices as you're being aware of the impact that your everyday decisions make, from the things we use all the way to the people that we meet day to day. Katie, first I want to thank you for this opportunity to talk with you about your own faith journey. I, I'm finding this conversation very insightful and empowering as we talk, and I hope that our listeners also get that same sense. So, Katie, thank you for your time to speak today. Yeah, thank you so much, Jonathan. I am a huge fan of the podcast, so it's been such an honor to be with you all today. started following Katie through her zero waste Lenten journey via Instagram, I thought it was a bit overwhelming. And in my mind, I was like, good luck. Over time, though, I kind of realized how naive I've been about seemingly radical lifestyle changes like this one. We're born into the social systems of the place where we come into this world. And then we learn them. And since that's what we know, that's what we practice and believe the world to be. I think this kind of makes us biased and not likely to change how we live, especially if we can't see how it will affect us in the near future. I mean, people used to think and literally fight over ideas like the solar system revolves around the earth, the earth is flat, women shouldn't vote, cellular phones will never catch on. And like how all those concepts were eventually proven to be incredibly wrong, we still face similar ignorant concepts that were built into our lifestyles since birth. Our throwaway culture, the idea that bullying and violence is a way to gain power and solve problems, incredible systemic human rights flaws that still have yet to be torn down. Katie proves to us that zero waste is totally a practical lifestyle. You can still go to Chipotle and coffee shops and the produce aisle at insert grocery store name here. Uh, it'll just take more like forethought and intentionality to do some of those things. As steward of the earth, of each other, and of our future, we're called by God to reconcile humanity's relationship to nature and not to distance ourselves from it. So start small, do a trash examine, be intentional, reflect. Avoid single-use plastics like rats during the plague. Recognize the five R's. Refuse, reduce, reuse, recycle, rot. And really, we should add one more, especially for dunker punks. Re-educate. When was the last time you heard someone discuss the environmental impacts of our waste? Did anyone ever tell you how recycling actually works and how inefficient our waste processes are? You can be so much more effective the more you know. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge. Be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. The Dunker Punks podcast is produced by a team of individuals who believe that wasting less makes us more. 
Today's interview was brought to us by Jonathan Stoffer and featured Katie Heishman. Thank you so much for sharing. I'm your host, audio editor and musician Jacob Krause. Our executive producer is Suzanne Lay. And you are our listeners and our community. If you want to play other roles in our community, strike up some conversation on social media at Dunkerpunks Pod. Get in touch with us via email, dpp at arlingtoncob.org. Contact us or check out a recent Facebook post about being an intern for the Dunkerpunks Podcast. We'd love to have you on our team. Until next time, I hope you have love, peace, and all good things.